Hey folks, thanks for tuning in today, episode 3-0. It is titled, The Faith of a Centurion. And this specific section is going to be in relationship to his sick servant. So his faith is demonstrated in relationship to his sick servant. For those who haven't heard this before, faith by dictionary definition is allegiance to duty, fidelity of one's promises, and sincere intentions. Faith by biblical definition is trust, conviction, action, and obedience. Now, hope is definitely a part of faith, but that falls under the trust category because our hope comes from trusting the Bible. Let's hit some verses today. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13 says, When he had entered Capernaum, that's Jesus who entered, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, for only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west, recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now, let, this is just a few things I noticed. We kind of I pulled a few things out of the verses that kind of stood out to me. Well, first of all, the centurion called Jesus Lord. So that's a gesture of reverence and worship. I also noticed that the centurion wanted to mitigate the suffering of his sick servant. So he was thinking about a subordinate, let's say. He wanted to help out a subordinate. I noticed the centurion was humble because he knew that Jesus said, excuse me, and he, we know this because he said to Jesus, I am unworthy to have you under my roof. So that's a gesture of humility given who, what he knew about Jesus. The centurion also recognized Jesus' authority as well as Jesus' flesh being under the authority of the Father. Now, the Trinity is a really hard thing to pin down exactly, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and the easiest way, based on my studies, I can articulate it is the consciousness of Jesus was the Father and the flesh was the Son. Now, the relationship between the Father and the Son is called the hypostatic logos or the hypostatic union. All right, so the, the consciousness or the psyche of Christ was the Father, the flesh was the Son, and the Holy Spirit was, in fact, the Spirit. And we, we see that demonstrated in the baptism events in the beginning of the Gospels. Another thing I noticed is that Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Jesus also spoke of the Gentiles being brought into the fold of the remnant of Israel, which is the new Israel, for the believers who trust in, in the gospel and have faith in the gospel. And they'll be coming from the east and the west while the sons of the kingdom, which he means the Jews, who reject Jesus and reject the gospel, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And now the cool thing is, is Jesus said the centurion believed in addition to having faith. So we see faith and believe both used. So let's stop here and talk about the word believe again. So the Greek word used in Matthew 8.13 that was translated into the English word believe is pastuo. Now pastuo means the trust and conviction in which a person is impelled by the inner and higher prerogative 
and the law of the soul. And if you remember from an earlier podcast, I told you the only difference between faith and believing is holy fervor or passion for Scripture and Christ. Because you can't... Those are the two words of God, right? You've got God's written word or the written word of God, and then you have the incarnate word of God. So our conviction and our trust has to be in both. You can't just pull Jesus out the Bible and and say, okay, there are, I'm I'm an anti-biblical Christian. It doesn't work that way. So now in... Here in this set of verses, we see pistis used as well in Matthew 8.10. So we've got pistis in Matthew 8.10 and pistuo in Matthew 8.13. So pistis is faith and pistuo is believe. Now, the reason we have to ensure we understand the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts is because we have to understand the totality of what's being said. And not to mention, it's the original Bible. So whatever we read in English, we're reading a translation That is not the Bible. That is a translation of the Bible. Now, regarding Pistuo, the centurion, and faith perhaps, the centurion trusted in the deity of Christ. He was convicted in the healing power of Christ. He was impelled by or urged forward to take action because of that trust and conviction. And he followed a law that Christ taught in the Sermon of the Mount, which was to ask in order to receive. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that the centurion was there. Which is an interesting thing, that the centurion did the very things Christ talked about on the Sermon on the Mount, but the centurion wasn't there. It's so cool to see situations like that happen. And you might think, well, it's it's easy to ask. Well, not so much. Not so much, especially if you know that Christ is Lord. I mean, imagine the creator of heaven and earth walking. We're just going to walk up and ask for a favor. It's it's that takes courage. The following information was taken from David Guzik's commentary. The centurion also showed great sensitivity to Jesus in that he wanted to spare Jesus the awkward challenge of whether or not to enter a Gentile's house, as well as the time and trouble of travel. He didn't know Jesus well enough to know that he could, excuse me, he would not feel awkward in the least, but his consideration of Jesus in this situation was impressive. In his concern for both his servant and for Jesus, this centurion was an others-centered person. So he's thinking about other people, right? That's an important thing to notice. He's thinking about his servant, thinking about Jesus, and he's trying to find a way to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, which is mitigate suffering, without inconveniencing anyone. You know, when we unpack culture in verses and we understand the totality of what's going on, it makes the situation so much more robust. There's always more going on than we think or realize. That's why studies, detailed studies, are so important. The following information was taken from Matthew Henry's commentary. The more hesitant we are and lacking self-confidence of ourselves, the stronger our confidence will be in Christ. Herein, the centurion knows him to have divine power, Christ and a full command of all creatures and powers of nature as a master over his servants. Such servants we all should be to God. We must go and come according to the directions of the word and the disposals of God's providence. But when the Son of Man comes, this is when he's talking about the return of Christ, if he finds little faith, therefore he will find little fruit. An outward profession may cause us to be called children of the kingdom, but if we rest in that and we have nothing else to show, we shall be cast out. Now that's terrifying. That's terrifying. You know, and we need certainty. And we need to have certainty of faith in Christ, not in ourselves, because we can't work our way to heaven. 
I heard a good summary. We don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we were saved. That's a good summary, right? Like that's the fruits. Your fruits, the fruits of faith are action and obedience because that it's doing stuff. It's not just sitting back with your heels kicked up waiting for the Lord to return saying, I'm saved. It doesn't work that way. We've got to do stuff. We've got to do stuff. Now we are to be just like those who are under the command of the centurion, but instead rather that same obedience needs to be demonstrated for the incarnate Word of God as well as the written Word of God. It's not enough to merely have an outward profession. We must take action to live a life of faith and produce fruit. It's important. It's vital, actually. So let's close with one more commentary. The following information was taken from Barnes' notes in the Bible. The children of the kingdom, that is, the children or the people who expected the kingdom, or to whom it properly belonged, or in other words, the Jews. They supposed themselves to be the special favorites of heaven. They thought that the Messiah would enlarge their nation and spread the triumphs of their kingdom. They called themselves, therefore, the children or the members of the kingdom of God, to the exclusion of the Gentiles, by the way. Our Savior used the manner of speech in which they were accustomed and said that many of the pagans would be lost, excuse me, many of the pagans would be saved and many of the Jews lost. We must remember the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees thought they were righteous for merely receiving the law and having the seed of Moses. And they thought they were righteous because they were hearers. Now, the Bible tells us not to be hearers only. In this set of verses, being hearers only is what will get us cast into outer darkness. And that's where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We should take the information in Scripture seriously. Every single day when we go over Scripture, we must take it seriously. And we should strive to be doers of the word, not only hearers, which ultimately means we were deceiving ourselves, which is what James chapter 1, verse 22 says. If you're just a hearer, you're deceiving yourself. Let's summarize today four short, four short summaries. Number one, Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion and had seen nothing like it in Israel. That to me is so fascinating. Number two, this set of verses uses both believing and faith, which can be summarized as trust, conviction, action, and obedience. However, faith has that extra holy fervor or passion in there. Number three, Jesus healed the centurion's servant because of the faith and believing of the centurion. It's so cool. And number four, there are warnings against being hearers only, as it is said, without the fruits of action and obedience, there will be sons of the kingdom cast into outer darkness. So let's strive not to be fruitless Christians, right? We can't just merely hear or observe and say, yes, the Bible is true, amen. Yes, Christ is Lord, amen. If, if our lives don't demonstrate that, if we don't live out faith and we don't have take action when we learn what's in Scripture and obey what's in Scripture, which is the Ten Commandments and everything in the New Testament in relationship to the Old Testament, if we're not doing that, we could be cast into outer darkness. And that's... Another thing Revelation 3.16 says, he's, it's the lukewarm Christians that are going to be, or the, those who are lukewarm about Jesus, whether they proclaim to be Christian or not, that's irrelevant. It's people who are lukewarm regarding Christ and the Bible that are going to be vomited or spewed from his mouth. So we need to, we need to take Scripture serious because Jesus will return, and we don't want to be a fruitless Christian where we hid the good news in our heart and didn't tell anybody about it, right? So even if it's just little conversations each day, let's, let's keep talking about it, right? Let's talk about Jesus, talk about our faith, all that. That's all for today. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.